0: Hey Rob, what do you think of our funky new football in Berkshire branding? They're great, Tom. Who's made them? They've been created by friend of FIB, Ellis Woods, who runs his own creative agency, Flare Media. He's heavily involved in grassroots football and kindly sponsors this very podcast. That's great. What else do they do? Well, it's funny you should say that, Rob. Ellis offers affordable digital marketing, digital and print branding like logos, banners, flyers and business cards, as well as website content creation and management. Go and have a look at flairmedia.online and tell Ellis we send you. Hi everybody and welcome to another week of our daily podcast. Uh, we are calling it uh, our pub but not in a pub chats uh, and it's me Tom Canning and I am here with
1: me Rob Davis.
0: Hey Rob, how are you? I'm pretty good, mate. How are you going? Not so bad. We've had, uh, we, we called it daily, but we've had a couple of days off where we've not recorded one. So we didn't do one on Sunday and we didn't do one on Monday. But I'm very pleased to say that today we are with the Barks and Bucks FAs, Women and Girls Officer Coordinator, uh, Ellen Hopkins. Ellen, can you clarify that for me? Have I got that right? Uh,
2: yes, yeah, you got
0: that right. Where are you talking to us from? Uh,
2: so I'm in Benson at the moment, so just outside of Berkshire. but um, Oh, OK. Nice and sunny today, which is nice. <laughs>
0: Yeah I th- I think I think we we it, it doesn't matter where you live as long as it's sunny at the moment that's the Exactly. How are you how are you coping with um with things as they
2: stand? Yeah, it's different. It's different. Um I mean, my job itself is kind of out and about a lot. Um and also my personal life as well in terms of, you know, coaching and getting out, so it is quite odd being confined to one room at the moment. Um so yeah, just trying to get used to that
0: um you said you said just before we came on your your role at the barks and bucks fa is a uh it's a full-time role so g- can you just tell us a little bit about what a, a women and girls uh coordinator does
2: yeah so our role is to help um you know support local girls or well, females uh leagues clubs um, so the idea is to be that point of contact for clubs to support them. Um, the FA is trying to double uh, women and girls participation over the next couple of years. So it's just a case of um, making sure that they have exactly what they need. And as a county FA delivering projects which help support um, an increase in participation, whether that's leagues or you know, social leagues or events or projects. Um, so it's quite diverse and it's, it's exciting, especially as someone who's grown up with football and women's football as well.
0: So, something you just said there um, about what, what they need What what is needed?
2: It's a lot is is just support in terms of educating clubs um, women and girls football is completely different to men's and it's not a one size fits all so I think it's just educating people um, and making sure that you know people are aware of the demands and what, what women and girls need in a football club and what will keep them coming back. Um, Is also just putting on events because we appreciate that football clubs and the volunteers in them, you know, can't do everything and they don't have the time. So it's plugging the gaps that the leagues can't deliver. So the social leagues or the maybe the, the sessions for women who have never played before. So um, it's just supporting what they, they do really and making sure that they have everything they need and we can put on projects to keep women playing.
0: Um, it was something that uh, we, we spoke to, Abby Tyshurst, we've had her on our podcast. She she does a bit of writing for us, um, and she also plays for AFC Crowthorne Ladies. They play in the Thames Valley Development League. Um, but she, she was saying this was her first year uh, ever playing football. And you mentioned yeah. something there about putting on sessions for, for, for women who, who've not played the game before. And I asked Abby this question at the time about there's not in men's football having I've been involved in men's football and I've been involved in women's football and the the big difference that I noticed was that in men's football there's no real there's no real way for someone of say maybe 25 who's never played football before to get involved in it whereas in women's football there is there there seems to be more scope than that is is that that's obviously a good thing but I, I, I guess how how does that how do you how do you kind of how do you do that
2: um, so, I mean, yeah, like you said, it is quite nice because there is that misgeneration. So there yeah. are women who have never played football before or may have never had the opportunity to play at school. Um, and like you said, then didn't want to go and join a team <laughs> or get get, get um, go and play centre mid on a Sunday for 90 minutes. So um, the, the nice thing is that we can put on projects um, and kind of help support those women that want to get into football. And like you said, it's quite nice because women's football is quite open and quite um quite welcoming for new 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 players um so we've been doing sessions um we've been doing a project ourselves called fitness goals um so it's for women that have never played before it's got a fitness theme but football incorporated into that um and it's quite nice because a lot of the women have never played before and saw fitness so came came along because they've had they've tried that before. Um, but yeah it's it's a nice environment to to kind of give it a go and like you said then progress on to a team.
1: Um I was going to ask you uh, what. How do you think the game, the women's game, has grown over the last few years? Obviously, we've seen a lot of uh, success or a lot of profile, certainly from um, the national side. And has that fed into uh, what you do? And have you seen a, a big difference over the past few years?
2: Yeah, massively. Um, I think it's it's always been a case of you know it's it's not been as publicised as men's football. So, yeah. I mean, the summer was incredible. I was lucky enough to go to. Um, the opening game, so England versus Scotland, um, and seeing over there kind of the impact and how many fans were over there. Um I was also in Canada four years ago and it was I mean the, the the difference in how many fans were were at the two were was incredible. Um but then coming back here and seeing the ripple effect of how many girls were watching it on TV and how many, you know, pubs were showing it. I've never, you know, in the last couple of years I've hardly ever been able to watch a game in the pub and you've had to go go and ask them to put it on the TV, but it was quite nice to see them promoting it and um, everyone getting on board because, you know, it's it, it's it's working hard. The women's game is working hard to get where the men's is going to be. And, you know, it's it's a long way off yet, but it's great to see that it's getting the recognition it deserves, really. Um, and there's a lot more girls playing football at school now. It's kind of more of a mainstream sport than it used to be.
0: I was just wondering, sort of taking it right back, because... I mean, I'm not going to be as as crass as to ask you how old you are, Ellen. But um, <laughs> um, how how did you get involved in football, in, to start with? Because you know, when it, when I was at school, and I I'm I'm 36 myself. But when I was at school, there were there were no no girls playing football. They it, it just, but but I've I've run a I've run a ladies team. I've run a women's team, and there were some really technically gifted young women playing for that playing for that team who, got, you know, maybe four or five years younger than me, but still. I, I, I don't know how i don't know how that happened because as i say when i was at school there went there were no girls playing football so how did how did that happen for you
2: yeah so i've always loved football since a young age my, my family's a rugby family so they they tend to like <laughs> rugby um <laughs> wrong shape ball for my, my yep. liking but um but no my uncle so my uncle got me into it really he's a chelsea fan um so got me my first chelsea shirt and went to watch them as a kid um and I absolutely loved it. And there was no there was no football teams when I was younger, um, sort of primary school age. Uh, if I joined them in the boys, it was either go in goal or be the referee. Um, <laughs> and oh. I'm a terrible referee, so I went in goal and I ended up being a goalkeeper at the end. Um, but um, but yeah, it was a struggle. And it, luckily, I was kind of one of those girls that was just not scared to get involved and not scared to give it a go. Um, and then around about seven years old, um, that's what I found... My local football team, um, so Tower Hill, which are based in Oxfordshire, um, and they're actually celebrating. So I was part of the first girls' team they had, and they're celebrating 21 years of girls' football um, this year. So that's quite nice. I'm still there as well, so um, it's quite nice to be part of that. And um, Yeah, there was there was nothing around when I was a kid. It was central venue leagues. Um, you'd have to travel all the way to Oxford to play a team, 8 o'clock kick-off in the morning, which didn't go down too well with my mum. Um nope. <laughs> But um but yeah it was it's it's kind of nice to see where it is now and have, have been part of that journey to you know to obviously how how popular it is now.
1: A basic like, follow-up question to that is um how has it changed? So um you know what sort of um uh number of clubs are you seeing, what sort of level of participation are you seeing? Um talking about uh, having to play at eight o'clock in the morning obviously the women's super league doesn't have to do that anymore and uh, <laughs> yeah. what 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 differences are you, are you seeing now uh, specifically in Berkshire and uh, around this area
2: yeah I think I think it's just the level of, of the amount of women's teams there are um so you've got the Thames Valley Women's League which is the local league um and um since I've been playing adult football or you know been involved in adult football I think it's a case of You were expecting to travel an hour or so to two games, um, which is natural for women's football anyway. And we've kind of grown up with that. But now it's quite nice to only travel 20 minutes down the road because there are more local teams. Um, There's also a lot more social provisions as well. So there's a lot more teams that have just popped up social groups that um, are wanting to play, you know, small sided or, um, you know, just just having a kick about, which is nice because, again, you know, there's no pressure and women don't necessarily have to play in a league um you know there's men's men's social sessions so why can't they be women's? so yeah it's nice because there's a, there's a lot more provisions popping up for people depending on their level um and um again you can go and watch it locally so Reading Women's obviously um in the Women's Premier League so it's great to be able to have a local team that you can follow as well
0: um so and I guess I guess on that Obviously, with with more teams popping up, one of, one of the problems that I saw when I was when I was involved with the team was that even even obviously the between the divisions and stuff, there there was a big leap between the divisions. So if you went up, it wasn't like sort of. Uh, I don't want to compare the two, but you know, if you went up on the if you got promoted on the men's side of the game, there's a good chance you'd be able to compete. Yeah. At times, on in the women's side of things, and it, I think it depends on what level you're at as well. But often, you know, you know. But I think even in the even in the women's FA Cup this season, there's been some big scores. There's been some big disparity between teams, and I've but I've seen it even just in divisions, um, mm-hmm. and especially in the local sort of Thames Valley League. There's a, there's a difference between the top the top half and the bottom half of the division, and sometimes it can be sort of five or six goals. And I guess that. That doesn't help with retention. If, if a team is getting in its own division is likely to get beaten quite heavily um, three, four, five, six times a season. So how how do we go about kind of tightening that gap? And is, is it just as much as coaching? Or is it is it more teams? Is it less teams? Is it? I don't, I don't know.
2: Yeah, it completely is tough. I mean, you do get women, I mean, girls naturally start playing football a little bit later than boys. Um, So where with boys you'll see under eights or under nines having that big influx of players, it tends to be under 10s, under under 11s with girls. Um, And right across the board, really, like you said, you've got women who have never played before that may join a women's team. Um, So I suppose it's just supporting those clubs. Um, A lot of it is down to player numbers. So um, making sure that clubs you know really recruit and keep keep the players and um keep momentum going even if if they are losing um and uh, yeah it, i appreciate that obviously there is that difference and it's i suppose it's just educating those coaches and educating the players and making sure that they have the foundations in place to, con- to continue going really even when the results aren't going um but yeah it's just i think it's mainly down to player numbers unfortunately it's not just um
0: it's not just in the women's game it's not just kind of 11 a side is it either there there are there are smaller sided games there's all sorts going on um if you were if you were sort of coming into football yourself what would you recommend to someone who was just thinking do you know what i wouldn't mind going and giving football a go i've just watched the world cup where should they start where should they be looking to to go
2: yeah, um, I mean, to be honest, I mean, women's teams naturally are quite welcoming and they're always on the lookout for players. So even just, you know, having a look at your local teams, um, seeing what's in the area. Like I said before, there's quite a lot of social teams popping up, which is nice. Um, so they're small sided. Um, you know, there's less pressure so you don't have to play on a Sunday. So you could just pop down on a on a midweek evening and have a bit of a kickabout. Um we run a league over um, in Bucks, which is near Wickham, for social social teams to go along and have a bit of a kickabout, so small-sided. Um, and hopefully we can look to replicate that in, in Berkshire as well, and I know there's a need for that as well. Um, but, yeah, I mean, generally just women's teams are just generally really welcoming, um, so I, I'd highly recommend just popping along and just having a chat.
1: So, uh, slight change of track, but looking forward uh, to next summer, there's, yep. a slight, uh, there's quite a big uh, football tournament happening in this country, uh, Euro <laughs> 2021. 20, Hope, hopefully, uh, hopefully, hopefully. yeah, absolutely, yeah. And I was just wondering if there's anything uh, that you're doing in this area to sort of uh, make the most of that and maybe uh, build towards that and build on the, or take advantage of the profile that is, uh, uh, is undoubtedly going to be on the game in this country.
2: Yeah, definitely. So um, we've kind of got the ball rolling in terms of what we want to do, because obviously we know that there's going to be a massive influx of people wanting to play, wanting to get involved. Oh. Um, so it's just a case of um, you know having a look across the region. We're lucky enough to have, um, within the Barks yeah. and Bucks remit, obviously, um, Stadium MK, which is really exciting, but obviously we appreciate it's not just Milton Keynes. People are going to be playing football. Um, so yeah. we're looking at um, hopefully doing some events, um, linking into the, the youth game as well with festivals. Um, so um hopefully you know if it is next year and if it if it does stay where it is um that we do uh festivals that are on the same day of uh the games so um getting the girls playing um raising the profile and obviously getting them watching it really um but yeah we've got we've got a good um, couple of months to start planning and start getting the ball rolling with that but um i think it's just to celebrate girls football and make sure that when girls are watching it on TV, they they know where their local team is. So a bit of signposting as well and working with the schools to link in with the football clubs, really.
1: Quick follow-up on that as well. Um, we know already that the men's game is moved or the men's tournament is moving to uh, 2021. Yeah. Would, uh, what are your opinions on uh, the, potentially it's uh, the women's tournament there's been word of it moving to the, perhaps the summer afterwards to accommodate that. What, would you think uh, would be the ideal scenario? Both tournaments going ahead at the same time and having maybe a bigger festival of football or perhaps the uh, uh, the tournament moving so that it has its own limelight, um, but maybe a, a year later.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's tough because I think there's pros and cons with both. I think, you know, if logistically, if you took all the logistics out of it, having a massive tournament, obviously men's and women's and celebrating football as a whole would be incredible. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. But then if you kind of break it down and then obviously we're hosting the York Women's Euros, um, the men's is also going to be at Wembley as well, um, having some games. So, you know, I get, I get the issues with logistics and I get obviously um, why they're potentially looking at moving it. Um, and again, like you said, it would be great for it to be showcased on its own and celebrate women and girls' football on its own and have its have its own uh, stage, really. So, I can see pros and cons of both, but I know I know it's going to be a tough, tough decision. Whoever has to make it, um, yeah. And um, either way, then, you know people aren't going to be happy. But you know, at the end of the day, it's got it's got to be thought of, and the yeah. the best decision for football, whether it's male or female, has to be made, really.
0: Just on that sort of on that sort of kind of making decisions about kind of the future of of, of the women's game and stuff like that. Um, obviously, Reading women play over in Wickham, um, yeah. and now yeah. that's that's not necessarily a problem. But I, I, I went to see them at uh, at the Medeski this season, and I thought it was excellent. It was just, it was a small crowd, but personally, just from a, from a purely selfish point of view, uh, living in Reading myself, as you know as Rob does, um, I'd be far more likely to go and watch them. Uh, if they were in Reading now I, I don't know what that does for the people of Wickham who, who go and watch Reading I, and I don't know how many people travel from Reading to Wickham but there's obviously a, a, a thought process behind Wickham's a smaller stadium and it makes more sense but then again it's Reading women and they to me they should be playing in Reading and but then they'd be playing in a bigger stadium that's even more empty than than the Wickham stadium so what, what do you think about that?
2: Yeah, I completely get that, Um, and I know it's tough, especially for, you know, like you said, your local fans who want to go and watch them, and um, especially local teams as well, you know, younger girls who maybe can't get to Wickham um, after their game or can't get to the travel because of how far away it is. Um, But I I, I suppose I get it from their point of view as well, because at the end of the day, you know, it's availability and potentially um, costs of of the majesty. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. (laughs) Sorry, I mean,
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah sorry. Right. The, I mean but the games the, the showcase games they have had not necessarily just Reading but obviously um, you've probably seen the games you know Man City women playing um, in the stadium and Chelsea played Tottenham also at Sanford Bridge so um, it is slowly getting there and I think I think the men's clubs are recognising how important it is to showcase their women's teams and um, you know at the end of the day they are one club it's not men's and women's it is one club and one badge. show um, you know hopefully it'll It'll be be more that they will play at Reading, but um, I, I get why they're at uh, potentially Wigan oh, and yeah. having
0: to use it. it. May it makes a lot. It makes a lot of sense ultimately, but uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm sort of just looking at a selfish point of view. It'd be about a half an no, hour walk for me to get there. So, um, <laughs> and I, I'd be. I I'd also think I do think also it's a bit of a shame that the 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 Reading women games are on at the same time as uh, the kind of the the local leagues. They're you know they're all on Sunday afternoons at the same time. Whereas men's football is just all weekend and no one really cares it. They, the men, if it's, if it's on, it's on and and they'll watch it. It seems to me that there's a big sort of potential fan base missed out there because all the games are on at the same time on a Sunday afternoon.
2: Yeah, I think so. They made the move a couple of years ago because it used to it used to be a summer league. Um, yes, so it used to be a little bit different. Um, but they've tried to bring it in line, um, you know, with the. Um, the, the the local grassroots game and and sort of have that foundation that pyramid all the way through um, which I get um, but like you said it is it is tough when you want to watch a game um, especially with the, the the FA player now you know trying to pick a game yeah. when it with all of them are on one, one time um, and and um, I I myself I play I coach on a Sunday so I rarely get to go and watch yeah. Um so um, it is tough and it, it's one of those where whether they whether they look to move it. I think a Saturday wouldn't go down too well, obviously, because you've got the men's game and, yeah um maybe maybe they'd miss out on people going to watch um but yeah for the likes of people that are involved in football on a Sunday like myself it is tough to go and watch a game locally
0: I mean don't don't get me wrong I you could, obviously the the men's football is, is every day of the week 24 7 365 <laughs> yeah. days a year I can't necessarily necessarily see where they would fit it in I, I I'm not coming here with answers but it's just it just seems a shame that you've got a you've got a bunch of people who would be interested in watching maybe the women's game they're all through playing any playing at the same time and um, i'll just move on from that um talked about your own playing career uh, yeah. i wanted to ask you about that so who do you play for
2: um so i'm kind of playing manager so um <laughs> a I, great uh, role it's <laughs> <laughs> the <laughs> only way i can get in the team no, yeah, just...
0: <laughs> i have the same problem but you're probably a um, bit better so than me i would think
2: i'm at tower hill ladies who are based in Oxfordshire. Um, so. Um, I originally started there when I was a kid, um, and um, as I was told, it was either referee or goalkeeper at primary school, and as a, as a kid, it was it was goalkeeper, so I um, started there when I was a kid. Um, I got into Oxygen United when I was 12, so I was playing for them um, as a goalkeeper, um, all the way through to the ladies' squad, so broke into the ladies' squad. Um, and then ended up uh, injuring my hand, so chipping a bone um, and uh, fracturing my thumb. So as a goalkeeper, with trying to save shots with one hand doesn't go down too well. So um, I kind of took a step back from playing there um, and went into coaching, which I absolutely loved. Uh, luckily oxford were great and i ended up getting a full-time role there coaching myself um which then took me on to um america so again taking a step back from playing and i went coaching out into america um was in new york and seattle which was incredible and seeing seeing sport over there kind of opened your eyes really um the facilities were amazing so um yeah that was great and then came back here and got into a more of a football development role which is where i ended up now uh so still playing uh i've just done my UEFA b so um doing a little bit more coaching um and yeah just having a bit of a kick about when i can really
1: <laughs> i was gonna ask you then uh, um, do you specialize in goalkeeping coaching or is it uh, general coaching but i think by the fact you've done your UA for B, I think you've answered the question there already.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I'm, I've actually I've actually booked onto my um, goalkeeper level one in June, but uh, whether it goes ahead or not, I yeah. don't know. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, I'm more I'm more of a goalkeeper, but um, unfortunately at the moment I'm playing centre mid, which which isn't good for the legs. <laughs> <laughs> um, But um, but yeah, it's it's um, I am probably better at goalkeeping, and um, it's one of those positions where I think it's a little bit neglected.
0: Yeah, yes, Um, definitely, I would, I would agree. And
2: um, I mean, the UA for B was good because it was incorporated into that, um, so it's hopefully something that I want to kind of pursue further now
0: there's a there's obviously there's a there's a whole whole host of um sort of lower league clubs bringing in even even sort of non league clubs bringing in goalkeeper coaches it's it's becoming very very different it's a very very different thing all this suggests though is that there's at uh, Tower Hill Ladies there's two two decent goalkeepers if if you're not getting in and you're and you grew up as a goalkeeper that would which is which is <laughs> gold dust in in any form of the game a goalkeeper is absolute gold dust
2: yeah completely completely no one no one wants to go in goal um, <laughs> it's it's that position which is why it ends up going in goal um but um but yeah i think i think it's one of those especially goalkeepers there that- in in the past they were kind of neglected and it was yeah. you know who doesn't want to run around or who doesn't <laughs> mind going in in goal for 90 minutes but if you look at the modern day goalkeeper now they're so so important especially when it comes to you know building from the back or yeah. even just distribution so um yeah i think i think they're slowly getting recognized for all the hard work that we do
0: <laughs> i I've, I've played in goal it's not easy it's no. it's really it's it's also quite it's there's lots of little sprints loads and loads and loads you can you can you haven't got time on the ball it's 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 hard oh, it's difficult
2: yeah yeah and, <laughs> and that's the thing the, the good goalkeepers make it look easy because yeah. they you know it doesn't look as if they need to make a save but actually it's the hard work they're doing in positioning and um kind of reading the game but um, but yeah it's definitely definitely hard work <laughs>
0: As um as, as we've got you on as our as our goalkeeper ex, goalkeeping expert, I'm I'm hoping we're going to be speaking to Rachel Laws in a couple of podcast time, um oh, about she's her... definitely got a bit more experience than me <laughs> as uh, well <laughs> it, as um, it's just about her role at coaching at Woodley United and also playing for Reading Women. But um just just uh, sort of on that goalkeeping part, which are there goalkeepers in the in the lower levels of the game that uh, that have impressed you that you think might go go far, especially locally is there is there anyone you could pick out or is there anyone you kind of admire in in their in their in terms of being a female goalkeeper
2: um, i can't think of anyone directly but i have noticed over the years i, I mean you know goalkeepers are a hard position and it, it tends to be that the position that nobody wants to play especially in female football as well um and it is it is it is a hard position um but the standard of goalkeeping as has, has come up over the last couple of years is actually been really good um you know that there was always always the mick taken out of female goalkeepers on the main stage when when there was on tv and yeah um, I, I think i think unfortunately you know it was one of those where it wasn't as high standard as as you know you, you would probably get expected in a, in a professional sport but um that's improved massively now and i think it's it's just you know, a reflection on how far the women's games come. Obviously, they've got getting the coaching, and there's more. There's more talent coming through. So, um, yeah, I can't think of anyone directly, but, um, but I've definitely noticed how how much the, the standards improved.
1: Uh, you mentioned earlier that you spent some time um, playing in the USA and Canada, or coaching in the USA and Canada. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah. There, well, USA certainly is an area where the um, the women's games. Um, probably a little bit further ahead than it is here in terms of its development. There's certainly been a very high standard for a long time. Um, is there any, are there any lessons you've taken from there or anything that you uh, think the women's game over here should aspire to um, from uh, that you saw in the US um, when you were out there?
2: Yeah, I think over there it's incredible because obviously over here yes, the men's game is is a step further and you know it's just one of those things that's where it is, but over there it's completely oh. the reverse. Um oh. and the women's game over there is um absolutely huge, you know, the crowds that you see over there um absolutely huge and it's I think from a from a, a level itself as well. I think it's just how much work they put in. They're not scared to put in hard work, so you've got grassroots football clubs that will train two three times a week um and that's just the lower level um so then naturally americans aren't scared to put hard work in um not to say that we aren't um but i think i think for them you know sport they're so competitive um and they will do anything to win and i think that was slightly reflected in in the game against lionesses (laughs) um when we played in the world cup but again if that if that's what wins you Tournaments, and if that's what you know, gets you onto that higher stage, maybe it's just that mentality. I think because technically we are getting there, and I think we are one of the best teams in the world. um But as as a nation, I don't think you know we do what it takes to win and have that grit. So I think probably that really.
0: Cool. Um, I, so I, I guess just sort of in, in terms of in terms of that, then I was I was just thinking about um kind of the the development of the women's game, and obviously it doesn't all come down to money. But obviously, that helps with the the development of coaches and and having people on on full time, full time wages uh, and, and all of that kind of thing. But it and I and I guess this sort of this coronavirus situation currently that there's there's going to be a we'll see how well clubs are run and this obviously goes with most clubs across the game. But is there any concern of yours about the way that the the game's been built up? Has it gone too quickly? Could it go faster? Do you think? I
2: think I think it's it's is it. it Grown massively, but I think it's because the support has been there over, right. over sort of four or five years ago. There probably wasn't that support, but there was a demand for for girls wanting to play. Um, there just wasn't a foundation in place. So, I think I think yes, it's growing growing quite fast. But you know, I think it's a it's w- what's in demand. Um, and there is a lot of financial support out there as well because obviously you know it's it's easy saying you know let's set up a team and just run with it um but but yeah so there is a lot of financial support out there and it's part of my role as well working for the fa to make sure that clubs do have that support and and make sure that everything's in place um but um but yeah hopefully it continues to you know to grow rather than kind of plateau really yeah
0: um, i'll just wrap things up um rob sorry you've got you've got one more to ask
2: yeah, just one
1: more nice one to finish off on. Um, are there any future product uh, pro- projects we should look out for that are of yours that are coming up in the next couple of years in the Berkshire area?
2: Yeah, so um, we're looking at rolling out the fitness goals again. Um, so this is something that we trialled in South Oxfordshire, um, went down really well. So it's for that misgeneration group of women. Um, so um, basically, women that have never played before, aiming down the fitness fitness route um so we're hopefully looking at setting something up sort of around the Redden area um to try and target those women that have never played before um potentially a stepping stone onto teams so um, not necessarily a long-term um training session that they may go to um, and then yeah just really if, if there's any women and, and girls that are wanting to get involved that, that know that we're here as a county fa to to get in touch um happy to signpost whatever level it is really um, and um, there's there's so many great clubs in in berkshire um, in the local area across the ages so uh, just finding someone that's suitable really
0: ellen thanks very much we'll just uh, finish off with the question we've been asking everybody while we're all uh, self-isolating um yeah. box set you can recommend to people to uh, to watch or something you've been watching that you've that you've enjoyed lately
2: Oh, good question. Um, quite a lot of rubbish, really. That's all right. That's <laughs> you know, fine. You make, you make the most of the good ones, don't you? And yeah. When it, when it comes to times like this. Um, well, we we've had highbrow.
0: We've had we can have some lowbrow as well. That's fine.
2: <laughs> um, I'm just trying to think which one. Uh, if, if people haven't watched it already, probably the Man City documentary on Amazon. That, okay. one's, that one's a good watch. Um, oh yeah always quite interesting to watch it I watched it um watched a couple of months ago but I'm actually having it on in the background while I'm (laughs) working away um but it is quite interesting especially a club like that the level kind of seeing the depth that that the players go into and the managers so yeah that's my little recommendation I think
0: if I remember rightly they're they're doing one on Spurs this year
2: yes which will be
0: quite interesting especially I'm not sure how they finish it
2: yeah yeah I know (laughs) (laughs) I don't think anyone is at the moment unfortunately. No. Um but yeah. Um, but yeah probably that the one's out as well so yes. I might might try and watch that one when it's out. Uh but uh but yeah uh ho- luckily I've got Netflix otherwise it'd be quite
0: <laughs> at the moment. I I have to admit, I've not seen I've not seen any of these so I need to I will I will go and watch them uh, at some point. So uh, Ellen Hopkins thank you very much for joining us. Um, no, thank you both thank you it's 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 been great to talk to you it's really really interesting it's just sometimes part of the game that we we don't necessarily focus on we we focus on our on our non league clubs and and it's it's interesting to, to get that kind of get that other insight from 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 different parts of the game and we do have a we do have a, a women's football writer now as well who is who started with unfortunately she started just as uh, just as the everything's been turned off, so
2: <laughs> she's had a quiet period. Though. Yeah, it's all. But she's doing, yeah. she's currently doing uh, profiles
0: yeah. <laughs> on every club in Berkshire, so um, it's uh, it's going to be quite a long lot of work for us. So, but it'll be it'll be quite good uh, when that's all finished. And so that was Ellen Hopkins, the Women and Girls Development Officer for the Bucks and Bucks FA. Uh, She has just been on with Rob Davis and I uh, on our Berkshire Football Stories podcast. Uh, We are interviewing the great and the good of the local game um, on an almost daily basis. Uh, If you like the podcast, you can go and find more. Just search Berkshire Football Stories on your favourite podcast app. You can also find us on Twitter at fi Berkshire. So please go and do that. And if you get a chance, please give us a rating and a little review. Um, All that's left is for me to say goodbye. Uh, Rob, will you say goodbye? Goodbye. And Ellen, would you say goodbye? See you guys. Bye bye. <laughs>